Well, well, well. Happy 2022. Happy New Year, fam. Here we go. Another year is uh, upon us. Here we go. And, uh, you know, what's new? I don't know. But I do know that there are some powerful black female authors out there. And I was so privileged and honored to have Christy Lauren Adams back on the show, folks to talk about her new book, looking at young black women, young black girls, and leadership theory. Come on, man. 2022 is right here, y'all. This profane faith. And now I guess he feels a little bit emboldened. He must be careful with what he says. I think we've got to see that a riot is the language of the unheard. Uh, racism is essentially a white problem. For you to understand what racism is about, you're going to be so uncomfortable. As Christians, we love the homosexual and the transgender. Homosexuality is sin. You know, everybody's like, you taught that from school, everywhere, big business, you want to be successful, you want to be like Trump, gimme, 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 push, 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 step, 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 crush, crush, crush. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. All right, all right, all right, all right. Here we are, folks. Here we are. Uh, Flavor Flaves in the house. Public enemy number one. <laughs> it's a new year. It's a new year. Um, uh, yeah, it's a new year. We're we are here. Um, I don't even know what to say. Twenty twenty two. I hear some. I see some memes of people saying that twenty twenty two is twenty twenty part two. <laughs> right. Uh, hopefully not. Um, hopefully there's not a new COVID variant or a new. Uh, pandemic that is uh taking out the human race um but either way profane faith is here uh we'll be here as long as we can uh, as long as the servers are up right uh, but hopefully you had a good new year hopefully you had a a safe one um and you were able to you know enjoy it with some family and friends and all that good stuff of course all this is is irrelevant if you're not listening to this in real time, uh, maybe you're listening to this at a different time, point in time. Gotta love the on-demand of podcasts. But uh, if you are following along, again, truly a happy new year to those, to the Profane Faith fam. Um, also today I'm recording, it's January 3rd in the year of our Lord, 2022. Um, and uh, it's my birthday. It's my birthday. It's, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's always uh, interesting, you know, when you get, older um and you have birthdays right because it's you know when you're a kid you're like oh man well at least when i was in high school uh i you know i i rarely told people my birthday because you know uh the dudes was like beat you up man like you i wouldn't go to the bathroom all day because somebody would be finding me in the bathroom and then just you know trying to lay some some smackdowns on a brother man so um 
Yeah, and you know, you know, again, one of those you know cishet guy things that uh, that gets done, particularly at an early age. Maybe y'all still doing it. I don't know, but uh, you know, when you're a kid, you're kind of like, yeah, you know, have friends over, wilding out. Uh, I remember my 21st birthday, right? Because, you know, most people remember that, at least here in the United States, um, in regards to, you know, being the legal drinking age. Uh, I remember turning uh, 24, 25, uh, me and saying, like, man, I'm a quarter century, you, you know, year old now. Uh, and being able to rent a car on my own, right? <laughs> all, those, all those things, right? Um, but, you know, when you turn 48, uh, which is what I'm turning this year, it's kind of like, huh? You know, my back hurt, my neck, uh, you know, I should put that in traction. I got to go see the chiropractor. Advil is my best friend. Um, you know, <laughs> it's just one of those things, right? Um, and birthdays always represent, at least for me, uh, you know, kind of like, ah, uh, because mine's always at the beginning of the year. So mine's not even like a fun birthday, like July or June. Uh, sometimes when it's like sunny and there's, you know, stuff to do, it's like, dude, you in the dead of winter, <laughs> January 3rd. Uh, and you know, I'm not down in my sign, you know, I'm an old Capricorn and everything. Um, I'm not much into signs other than to make some jokes about it and whatnot, but um, you know, it's just interesting just to, 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 to have this time. I think I've talked about this on the show before too about you know, just the, the time of uh, of birthdays can be depressing, right? It's, especially as you get older, at least for me in the winter. Uh, things are like, okay, it's the end of the holidays. Everything's done. It's kind of that post-holiday uh, partum oh, <laughs> depression, kind of like, oh, it's a new year. got to go back to work. Um, and, you know, there's that. And then, you know, at least here in Chicago, it's it's cold. It's like 11 degrees outside right now, right, with the wind chill um, of, like, you know, zero. And so um, all those things um, affect at least for me, mood. The only good thing I will say is that it's at least sunny. There's been plenty of birthdays where it's just been gloomy and dark and all that stuff because the sun is still going down, you know, like at two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, but hey, it's birthday. It's another year. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for another year on this planet. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, you know, it gets me to reflect, you know, on the, the grand metaverse of things, not Facebook and Zuckerberg, but just kind of the grand, you know, as humans, we think, oh man, 48 years. Wow. You know, that's, that's a long time, but that's nothing in the cosmic sense of reality, right? You think about how long an asteroid has been, uh, in the Kuiper belt or in the asteroid belt, or just think about how long, you know, Jupiter has been around, how long the sun has been burning. Nothing, nothing. 48 years is nothing. And then you got to think about, you know, years, that's another relative thing, right? How do we measure time? We measure time because our planet revolves, you know, we consider the you know, the the sun out day and you know the sun down night. Um, and that, you know, has a 24-hour period cycle which revolves around the earth. It takes 365 of those days to start a new year, right? The tilting of the earth. So that's how we kind of measure this kind of chronological, right, linear realm of time. Um and, you know, that again, that even that right there is relative. How do we measure time? Uh, we measure time because we've evolved on this planet uh, to see those things. And so on another planet that has a lower center of gravity or has a higher center of gravity, has a higher rotational curve, time will obviously be measured differently. Think about the rotational uh, spin of Jupiter. Think about how long it takes Pluto to revolve around, like a year for Pluto. I'm forgetting the equivalence, but it's a lot. 
it's a lot of our Earth's years. It's something like, you know, 80 or 90 years, you know, for our years compared to a Pluto year, just because, you know, of where it's rotating, where it's at in our solar system. Um, and yes, I still think Pluto is a planet, right? I know people say, oh, it's a dwarf planet, but that's my non-astronomer, uh, astrobiological physics uh, assessment. <laughs> but uh, for real, though, you know, so all those things I get to think about and I'm just like, man, right? What, a purpose in life. What, um, what, uh, what do I got going? And once upon a time, I used to think, Oh, I know it. I'm working for God and God's kingdom. I'm driven. I'm working with these poor little niggy kids and I'm making a difference. You know, and for some people, that is the case, right? And it's, that's the case. Uh, um, I ain't beginning anybody. I'm talking simply about myself right now. <clears throat> and, you know, once upon a time, I thought <clears throat> that was my purpose. That was my, my place in life. And... You know, things change. I've talked about that plenty uh, on this show. So um, all those things, you know, rush into my own frame of consciousness and realm as I think about, okay, um, really? This is another year gone by and which may be long for us uh, is very extremely short. Nothing for something else. I mean, you think about a fly, you know, some fly species, right? They have 24 hour life cycles, 24 hours, right? Um, that's not a lot, but to them, it's like, man, 24 hours. Oh my gosh. You know, by hour five, we're already <laughs> right. Uh, it's like, man, I'm middle age, man. It's like, shoot, I got, I got to work it out. Um, so it's just interesting, right? Just to kind of think, put those things into perspective when you start thinking about time, uh, relativity, uh, what that means in the space time continuum, uh, where those things meet. And then of course I ask the ultimate question, does it matter? You think about history uh, and we tend to learn about the heroes and the assholes in history, right? <laughs> the scoundrels and the, uh, you know, and the folks who, who made a difference. But it's like the ordinary day-to-day -day people. Like, what was somebody doing in 1845 who worked at a shop uh, in, uh, uh, in, in the original colonies of the U.S. and was a leather maker or whatever, right? I mean, we don't think about that unless it's relative to something else. Right. So I think about that as like, you know what? You know, I don't have a big family. I have a daughter. Uh, that's it. That's my offspring. You know, I think about that just in general from a cishet perspective. Right. You think about, oh, I got to plant my seed and go out there and build kids and all this stuff like that. You know, for the most part, my lineage just may die out when, you know, Mahalia dies out. And, and that's that. Um, so those are the things. Right. <laughs> I know this is going to sound morbid, um, but hey, you know, it's a birthday, birthday, birthday talk. OK, birthday talk. Um, just one of those things that just, you know, that crosses my mind when I think about, you know, where, where I'm at in the cosmos and where we're at. And I know some of you Christian folks like, oh, you all matter to God. And again, you've, if you listen to any of the series here, it's like, I don't know if that's the case. I really don't know. Like if you got somebody who's created, created things, right, and planets and shit and all that, I, I don't know. If if that person's really thinking like or that being that life force is thinking, oh, yes, yes, your life matters, um, because if that is the case, then, you know, again, the, the, the ultimate question, right, theological question is why does the crap continue to happen in this time and space? Um, and why are there not more supernatural things if we're serving right this kind of living God? Um, so it's just interesting. 
I, it's just interesting, um, you know, when it when it comes to those type of things. Again, that's just a little insight into my own thought process, into my own mind, into my own frame of thought uh, on my birthday. <laughs> right. Um, always interesting things uh, that pop up uh, on the day that you were born. Um at least for me and maybe for you, you know, and, and, and that's the other, that's compounded with the other thing is that not having family, not having siblings, not having cousins, not having really anybody other than, of course, my spouse, my daughter uh, and good close friends who text me and say happy birthday. Right. A handful of that. I don't have a big family celebration. Uh, I'm going to put Kathy Kong on, on blast here. Uh, she was posting some stuff on Instagram uh, the other day about her family. And I was just like, God damn, man, adopt me. <laughs> Right. Adopt me. Uh, I got an old friend in high school, uh, Tara, and uh, she is, you know, she's a Guamanian and uh, she's got this huge family. And I'm like, oh, let me just be a part of that. Right. Um, I don't know. I've always wanted that and desired that um, as a person. Um, at one point, I thought, oh, I'm going to have all these kids. We can have that, you know, and, you know, one and done, which I don't regret. But nevertheless, right. This is the ideal of what you thought things were going to be. These pre-imagined belief systems uh, about life, about success, about where you thought you'd be. Um, you know, you'd ask me 25 years ago, where do you think you'll be in 2022? Um, I would have been like, oh, I'm gonna be a Young Life area director. Um, I'll probably be a Metro director by then. I'll have plenty of staff underneath me. I'll be married, you know, four or five kids. Uh, and none of that is true. None of that other than I'm married uh, and uh, well, I have one kid. Uh, and again, I, I'm not saying that like I regret that. I, I'm just simply saying those are the decisions that that have been made. Uh, and this is where I find myself in the year 2022 as I turn 48 here on January 3rd. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, crazy ass stuff, fam. But nevertheless, um, you know, I am uh, thankful for another uh, year on the uh, the planet and uh, I'm you know uh, there is a, a drive in me that that, that, that a, a sense of deep hope even though I know I'm a, a majority pessimistic kind of guy um, that that I'm, I'm constantly wondering what is the next thing gonna be um, and so I am I'm thankful uh, I'm thinking about that um, in regards to life and what is this year going to bring uh, how much closer to calamity uh in the end of our society will we get uh by december 31st 2022 so we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see <laughs> oh you gotta love it folks but listen i got an amazing guest on this week uh, i've had her on before you've heard her hopefully you've read her book uh, Christy Lauren Adams, uh, she's a speaker, author, youth advocate, ordained Baptist minister. Christy is the author of The Parable of the Brown Girl. Um, I'm going to post the, 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 the link to the last show that she was on in the show notes. As always, you can go to White Dodge Podcast. It's all there. Um, check it out. And again, this is another person you can support um, and, and go out and buy her book. Her, now, her new book isn't out yet. I'll get to that here in a second. Uh, but Parable Brown Girl, uh, that is out. Uh, it was published by Fortress Press uh, and released February 2020, right before the pandemic, fam. Who's crazy stuff. Um, the book highlights the cultural and spiritual truths that emerge from the lives of young black girls. Parable of the Brown Girl has received awards, all kind of awards, with the best young adult 
book uh, from the African American Literary Awards and Literary Awards, excuse me, uh, and the New York Black Librarians Caucus. And she's currently working on her next book, which is what we're talking about today. Unbossed, How Black Girls Are Leading the Way, uh, hopefully be out here in spring uh, of this year. Uh, she's uh, That's with Broadleaf Books. Um, and uh, I am, and, and Chrissy's just an amazing person in general. Uh, I met her a few years back. Uh, I think she had me out to, what was it, Princeton or one of those places. Uh, we met, and I was just like, all right, this, this woman's got some good shit going on. And so I was, I reached out, and I was like, yo, you blowing up, fam. Uh, I got to get you back on the show. And I did, and it's amazing to see just how she's combining leadership theory, uh, which tends to be very white, very male, very upper middle class, uh, eccentric uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of how it's broken down. And she's taking that and applying it directly to looking at young black girls, young black women um, who are doing some amazing stuff in life. And I love the premise uh, of the book. And so, uh, yeah, we just got a chance to talk about that. Faith, race, being a black woman herself, navigating all those spaces, navigating the pandemic uh, in this time and space. And I was just thankful to have her back on. So, folks, enjoy this conversation. Buy the book when it's out. If you have not heard the last episode uh, with her, go check out Parable for Brown Girl. Uh, links in the show notes at White Eyes Podcast. And once again, Happy New Year and Happy Birthday to me. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> That was at least good. That was yeah. at least good. And how's um how's it? Because I, I mean I see you all over the place, girl. I I, I love it. I'm like, dude, I I knew her win. Shoot, that's what I'm talking about. Definitely that all over the place. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it because the parable of the brown girl. That's that's that did well. It's still doing well. I um I was surprised in a different way with parable okay um because it, because it came out one month before we went into lockdown so oh, that's right that's right yeah. parable is a pandemic baby <laughs> <laughs> wow okay oh yeah. my gosh okay okay yeah so i had you know so it was like bittersweet yeah if that makes sense you know like People say, oh, my gosh, Parable, you know, like, what? I'm so happy that, it, you know, there were no expectations for Parable because it was really like the first book and nobody really knew. But I think I was like really looking forward to like going out, you know, after you spend so yeah. much time like, Absolutely. with the book and you're it's just you and the book and you're alone. You yes. know, you want to like, go celebrate the book. And I had a month of that um, and it was like, you know, uh a modified month because it's it's February, so it's like middle of the winter. So there was only but so much. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm I'm grateful for that. And then, you know, then it was just all this uncertainty. Everything was canceled, and then it was nothing but uncertainty. So anytime anything like if 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 Parable showed up and like I remember Teen Vogue had did like something with a bunch of books, you know. Okay. Um, and Parable showed up. But I didn't know about it. It was like somebody, you know, shot me a message on on Instagram. It was like, girl, I saw a variable on Tween Vogue. And I was like, really? <laughs> Every time something happened with Parable, it was because I heard through the grapevine. That's <laughs> you know, that's how, it, that's how it happened. Yeah. Something yeah. just happened to see. I wasn't getting an email or any sort of advance notice heads up. It was like, oh, look at that. You know, Um <laughs> 
Well, if I like got an award for it, I remember being like the, I don't know if it was the African-American Literary Awards. And I remember I was on duty uh, at school in the dorms. You know, I work at a boarding school. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The event was supposed to be in Harlem at the Schaumburg. Okay. And so it was on Zoom, you know, and I remember, uh, I forget who hosted it, the woman from Real Housewives of Potomac, uh, Giselle Bryan, Dyson, a few other people up there. Okay. And everybody was on, you know, on Zoom. And uh, I accepted the award with my sweatpants on <laughs> and my nice top, girl screaming in the background. <laughs> and my dog's asleep in the corner. And I'm yes. Like, yes. Thank you. <laughs> and I remember when it was over, I just shut the laptop. And yeah. I don't know what I watched. I was like, date, I watched Dateline. Like, climactic. <laughs> 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 oh my God. That is like, awesome. God, you're humbling me. Well done. That is awesome. Well, it is right. It's just it's like the it's like the pandemic. Literally, I taught all my class because you know we did the whole online thing and stuff, man. I mean, I was just in sweats. It's like no bow ties, no no, uh, no, uh, sweats, and there's gonna be cats in the background. So. <laughs> That's oh. how it was, you know, you just like going with it. So right. I was happy about her, but it's it's a yeah. For what it for for what it did, I was yeah. happy. Yeah, no, that's what's up. That is what's up. Well, I'm just excited to have you back on the show. I was just like, I gotta get Christy back on, and so thank you for responding and, and what? whatnot. This is great. What? Always, <laughs> that's not even like a thought. Oh my gosh. Well, I definitely want to get into the book because um, I started reading it and I was like, oh my god, this is like a leadership theory book on freaking black women this is amazing what is so, oh, so so let me well let me ask this since we're talking about the pandemic we're talking about accepting awards and sweats what what's been going on since the release of 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 the last the last book yeah well uh, well it's interesting the new book is what's been going on since the release of the last book yeah 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 now- that was not on my mind. I was not like, "Ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a new book." Um, yeah. I really wanted to just enjoy Parable. You know, you just enjoy the fruits of your labor. You know what I mean? After, um, so it just never. I thought it just never crossed my mind. And then I didn't want to be one of those people that were like, "I'm gonna write a book during the pandemic." You know? <laughs> right. Right. I just want to be that pretentious. Not to say that people do that. Do that. No. No. I'm. Attitude, like of like, I'm going to be this. Or that. I yep. was like, every day is different. You know, I'm just waking up trying to figure out the the day. Right. Um, and so my editor actually asked me if I had been thinking. Actually, they asked me before the pandemic. Uh, you know, if you just want to put it out there, if there's anything you think, I'm like, no, I'm going to enjoy Parable this year. Thank you very much for asking. We'll figure it out later. But then, you know, I actually quarantined because it was during our spring break during quarantine for at the Hill. Okay. And so I left and was in Atlanta visiting my god sister when um, the little like announcement came out about some some of the uh, Europe travel restrictions and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, let me get back. So I got I flew back into Jersey, and my my mom, my dad, and my sister were here. My dog, of course, and so I just quarantined here at my parents' house. Okay. Okay whole time and I just ordered clothes <laughs> all my clothes are at my house in Pennsylvania and I was just ordering there's a store called Cotton On that I really like I was just ordering sweat come on come on come on break it down <laughs> and when I was here 
I was doing like virtual stuff for virtual book talks and things like that. Yeah. Virtual book talks were actually like probably a little bit more um, creative and more popular now. Um, at the time during the pandemic, people were like, uh, okay, what platform, how do we do, you know, all of that. Right. They, they were sure. So it wasn't the way that the book talks were like, would be now if somebody asked me to do one. It was right. more like, oh, we'll get you on a Zoom webinar. And they just sort of figured it out. So, uh, so I was doing that. And then I was doing like a, daily Instagram, like, you know, inspirational Bible study sort of word. It wasn't really Bible study, but you know, like a reflection every day on Instagram anyway, but I was doing it for my parents' backyard and I was just here. That was sort of it. You know, I remember doing a KIPP DC, the KIPP DC schools had a, um, had invited me to do like a talk for parable, the Brown girl, Okay. I remember the, the webinar, you know, zoom webinars, you get up there, it could be 20 people. So you're just like, whatever. Not, it, I remember the number kept going up. It was like 500, <laughs> 600, 800, 900. Yes. It was a thousand people. And I was like, oh my God, let me get myself together. Like, <laughs> right. So those types of things were happening. So in the midst of that, you know, I thought about um, Unbossed. I'm fascinated with Gen Z. I was mostly actually thought about Unbossed around the time that that the gradu- virtual graduations were happening. And I was like, oh, like I was right. thinking about class of 2020 and then right. our kids still, and just, they were communicating with me about how painful it was for them. And, um, you know, just like, oh, we'll do a virtual graduation. And I'm like, man, this generation has just been so resilient. But then George Floyd, the, the murder of George Floyd occurred. Gen Z is like leading the way, right? They're right. like, you know, planning marches, you know, just all sorts of stuff. And that's when the the thought started coming to me where I was like, wow, like mostly it was just Gen Z in general. And then I narrowed it down to, I was like, well, I'd love to see what black girls are doing. They're clearly leading organizations and movements and things like that. I'd love yeah. to write about their leadership. And I did a one, I did one year at Eastern University, um, one year their PhD program in organizational leadership. Okay. I couldn't afford to stay. And I wasn't really like that sold on the program, you right, know, everything right. from theology. And they were like, maybe you're in the wrong program. <laughs> so, but <laughs> I have all these leadership theory books and I wrote all these papers during that time on leadership theory. Uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu just passed away, of course. And I oh, no. went back to one of the papers that I wrote um, about servant leadership and, and Bishop Tutu. So, um, I thought about that because I was like, oh, man, I'm not going to do anything with these books. Like, <laughs> I remember thinking, like, I just wasted a year, but really push come to shove. I was thinking about the girls and I was like, wow, a lot of their leadership, the ones that I had been thinking about, um, whether I was interviewing or having conversations with, like a lot of their leadership aligns with some of this leadership theory that we actually studied in my one year at that program. So that was how Unbossed came about. Wow. See, I love that. I love that. And that's exactly it. I felt the the spirit of that coming through and 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 looking at that. I I wish I because I'm still trying to figure out where to put it in my own curriculum. Cause I was like, well, shoot, there's book sales. <laughs> Let me get this thing in here somehow. Um because uh we were using uh Parable of a Brown Girl in several of the lit classes and whatnot. So students were reading that. Um of course, you know, my school's in a hot mess right now. So I, I would say I'll try to get you out, but we're in a hot mess. We got a vote of no confidence with the president and just black people what? leaving left and right. Oh, <laughs> it's crazy. It's the wild west out here. What? 
Oh, wow, that quiet because I ain't heard. Oh, you ain't heard? Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's uh, it's um, yeah. It it. Yeah, oh it's a long, it's a it's a long story, but we got yeah. It's it's been it's been rough. It's been rough, especially for for black folk on campus. I mean, there's what there was already eight of us. Now we're down to six. Two of my colleagues are leaving. Um, they just announced their uh, resignation. So. Oh my god. Yeah, 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 please. It it made the Washington Post. The Washington Post picked wow. it up, picked it up, and um and whatnot. So, wow. at any rate, we we had your book. We were reading it, um, and people were like, "Oh my gosh, this is good." So when I heard you had something else coming out, I was like, "This is." I got to figure out where to put this in our curriculum, and and because because again because I think it's important. Because you're right. I think what a lot of times what we hear about Gen Z, Gen Y is often negative, right? And especially for those of us, right, in looking at generational studies. I remember I'm an Xer. I'll claim it. I'm a Gen X, right? It's like I still remember TRL, MTV, Limp Biscuit, right? The whole nine. Um, but I remember them saying like, oh, this generation is lazy. Look at them. They don't do nothing. And that kind of trope carried on, right, to millennials. And then now they're kind of saying some of this stuff about, you know, Gen Z. Um, and especially the work around black gen z there's not a lot there's not a lot even right now we're just starting i know uh do you know professor erica galt she's at arizona state she she does some good work around black millennials uh kind of one of the premier researchers around out there doing some really good work looking at that area because right most of the stuff you read is just like oh we're looking at you know you look at their population i'm just like wait a minute these are like suburban white kids how does that relate back to what's going on for black folks? Wow. So as I was reading this book, I was like, okay, this is getting into it. In fact, I might use this in, in one of my media theory classes, media and society, looking at, because we look at generations. Okay, there it is. It's fitting. It's fitting. Oh, no, I'm serious. The heart attack and diarrhea. Because these, these, this captured exactly what is going on right now, I think, in a lot of communities what were some of the the things how did you go about gathering the research in a time of <laughs> virtual online world and yeah. and everybody's just kind of like oh okay we meet now okay all right yeah right well the, the one i have eight girls one i knew personally and actually doesn't live far from my parents so i was actually able to just i just texted her the first chapter saw on you and i went to her house and we sat in her backyard and had a conversation <laughs> i love it i and love it i love it but we consistently we have a relationship so it wasn't um difficult to to continue to communicate with her i didn't need one interview per se the other girls what i was really looking for were girls that were doing the work but that weren't necessarily high, their work wasn't as highlighted. Like they're in, they're somewhat, they're sort of like the supporting character, you know? Um, and so um, there was one in particular, Amara Feji from Maine. She's a climate activist, also a racial justice activist. And she, uh, I was looking up climate activists in general and just Googling to see which teen, which, which ones are teenagers and I was looking at all these different sites and then I would see an article on one and then I would go to like whatever organization they were associated with and look at the organization site and then look at the, the team of people that they had. 
and Amara was one of the people on the team. So I did a little bit more digging. Like if there was like a, if there was a climate activist that's featured in some, you know, huge magazine or whatever, I would Google them, but chances are they're working with others, you know, that are their peers that are doing work too. So Amara was listed up there and she had a significant background. Uh, And then I just, I Googled her or whatever, and she did just a lot of work in Maine. And those ones would be more likely to be responsive too, right? (laughs) When you can contact them. Right. Teenagers aren't easy to find, period, online too. Some, I mean, they are, but they aren't in the sense of there is still a level of like protection. I think there's a layer of like, you just can't email them, you know? You can probably hit them on social media or whatever. If they get it. Right, right. So, uh, so that's sort of how I found her. But like the Tia Moy Roberts of the world, the the Parkland um, shooting survivor, I remember her and her peers, her black other black Parklands, uh, sorry, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas uh, high school students giving the press conference after the 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 one particular set of students uh, were being highlighted in Time magazine and everything. And then the black students, I remember their press conference being like, there are black students here at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. We, we're doing the work too. We've been affected by this too. So I wound up reaching out to her. That's okay. sort of how I did it. I, I just, I mean, we had this time, right? And we were home. And so I was able to just be online looking up and seeing, okay, who's who's doing the work, you know? Um, and some were like, Hannah, she's the... Uh, she's the the creator of an app called the Not Okay app. Oh. It's all about mental health. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's an app. So her story, she's a little bit later in the book, but her story is she had a moment of sort of suicidal ideation. Her mother found her um, <clears throat> in the moment where she was like, I believe, getting ready to take pills, and she said in that moment she felt her she she just saw herself pushing a button on her phone, mm. and so then after the incident. She, you know, her brother, she reached out and she said, she talked to her brother and said, hey, look, I have this vision, you know, when when kids are, if a kid is going through or someone is going through, most likely they're they're holding their phone. And so she was like, you know, the first thing that that they should do is that they're going to do is press a button, you know. So they created this not okay app where you click on the app if you're not okay and it sends out a message to your five most trusted contacts. It sends out your GPS location. It lets them know you're not okay where you're at. Wow. You know, it's fascinating. Wow. Her work has been featured. I mean, she was on Red Table Talk just really briefly, you know, um, she's in, you know, Teen Vogue and some other stuff, but. I don't think enough people. So I was looking for girls where they're doing significant work, but like not enough people, I feel like really like have heard about their work and really should study it. Should study what, you know, I call her a visionary leader, you know? And so I go into depth about what visionary leadership is. Talk about Harriet Tubman and her visionary, her vision, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a, and that's a, I mean, that's an understanding. I don't want to, I don't want to cut you off. You, you, because no, you no, you're, <laughs> um, you're right. I mean, that's, there was a meme the other day that I saw and it was like, you know, start normalizing, you know, black hairstyles as professional, mm-hmm. right. You know, just start looking at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think so often when I did teach literally, I, when I, well, when I t- taught in our biblical theological studies department, I, I had a couple of different courses. I so wish I had this when I taught leadership, I had a, a senior mm-hmm. level course on leadership management. Okay. And uh, I so would have used this book because I was 
scrambling to find authors of color because so much of it, right, especially in Christian environments, comes from Fortune 500 companies, white mm. cishet male um, uh, authors, right? right. Which, right. at the end of the day, is like, okay, I get it. Like, if you want to understand a certain perspective of leadership. But right. once I started getting into it, I was like, no, this is futuristic this is this is exactly what is going on right now um it's like the difference between a brady i'm gonna use a, i'm gonna use a, a a football analogy here excuse me christy excuse me but it's like the difference between a tom brady who he can stand in the pocket and do his thing but then you think about patrick mahomes and that brother can move all over the place he is agile he can move and i'm thinking about a lot of these black quarterbacks that are out there and again i'm using nfl but my point being is is that there's a relatability and there's a movability that comes about in this those are just some of the things that i gathered from just reading the book tell me a little bit about born with purpose the strategic thinking and i'm i don't want to say the name because i don't want to i don't want to mess it up you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Tell me a little bit about that. And just even um, even in chapter two, you talk about marching for black lives. What yeah. is how does that look in an era that it seems like there's an overwhelming sea of white supremacy? You have the January 6th insurrections that we're still grappling with. It's fixing to be a year coming up on now. Um election you know people we we people who look like us right are being held back from from voting in different places mm-hmm. how is that how's that activism looking and ultimately that with the purposes i don't know that's a big question i get it but yeah yeah no there's a few places i can go with that uh actually there's a chapter uh i'll come back to them there's a chapter adaptive leadership that's what i think of so mobilizing for change chapter five is the adaptive leadership of jayshelle nicole schneck or shank excuse me uh she's up in rhode island her and her co her co-founder friend isabella in in the in delicati excuse me they founded a organization called gen z we want to live now they founded it because they were trying to get help uh from some of the other millennial uh, organizations, no names, uh, <laughs> and, and were receiving some pushback because it was like, know your place, kids. And this is from like, you know, millennials, right? Right. That's on the younger end. Right. And they were like, no, you know. Um, so they they let this, uh, right after the George Floyd murder, uh, a, a march uh, to the, the Providence town, like uh, Providence state capital, but there was 1500 people um, that they sort of rallied together. And, uh, and so from that, they created Gen Z, we want to live, which does, I mean, there's so much that they do. Um, you know, they do sort of like, they train kids, sorry, dad, they train kids and sort of like voting, voting rights on how to like, um, they, they train them on sort of how to go to in their particular areas and get other 18 year olds um, like registered to vote. Um, they train them on how to go to um, like state capitals or whatever. And they, she calls it, you know, and to testify before wh- whoever, um, you know, she's mobilizing both of them and their inspiration she always, she's been talking to me a lot about how, you know, Stacey Abrams, Stacey Abrams, that's, that's sort of all, that's who right. she's looking 
right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, who's like the mobilizer right now? Right, right. For change in these types of things. Um, I'm using Jay Shell as an example because they're watching the Stacey Abrams of the world in the midst of these things that are that are happening. And so when we're like, you know, when we're having this conversation about voting rights at the national level right now and what this means, these young girls that at the time was like 15, six, she just turned 16 years, you know, 16 years old are doing it on that level, but they're watching, right? They're watching their sort of elders, the Stacey Abrams of the world or whatever. They're watching them sort of rally. They're watching what's happening um, in the nation, like what happens with January 6th, et cetera. And we're like, oh man, these kids are growing up in the midst of all this craziness and this negativity, but they're like pulling out the, they're, they're pulling out, not the goodness, but they're pulling something out of it where they too can sort of make that change. They're not just sitting back and watching what's happening on TV. You know, yeah, that's yeah. The that I think I'm making. They're not, um, Gen Zers just in general, all of them, they're so sharp. They're really like, they're very selfie and, you know, all of that, but there <laughs> is an element of them that are like, I can do it. I, I'll just create our own chapter. Mm. We'll just do our own thing. We see, you know, they see the problems that are, that are happening and yeah. they, they want to be the solution. Right. So, um, so, you know, going back to Sonia's first chapter, she's um, more, uh, she does like more sort of like black literacy, promoting black literacy among youth. Okay. But her, her, when I interviewed these girls, I, I wrote each chapter and title sort of based on their leadership style, but also what like what stood out the most or stands out the most when I had conversations with them. And for her, she's always talking about purpose and why she does. She does what she does because she feels like she's called to it. But mm. I, I would argue that all the girls in the book feel like they're called to what they do. You know, they they have a real strong sense of purpose. I think, you know, unfortunately, Resist the the resistance and um, you know the the things that that sort of are against us um, as a nation and as a people. It forces people to rise up. It forces young leaders to to rise up. Yeah. Right. Um, it's sort of like the cause and effect of it. Had nothing been going on, I don't know. Would they be? I'm not really sure. Um, which is, I guess, is one of the questions of leadership studies, right? Like, there's problem, but had there not been a problem, would we be able to get like you know, young, young ones or leaders to sort of rise up and deal with the problem. Right. Right. Well, Gen Z deals with nothing but problems, right? Like this is the post nine 11, you know, Trump, Obama, you know, pandemic now, Come on. you know, I mean, it's just a constant, you know, uh, shooting. I mean, granted the, uh, the, the issues with black violence has been forever, but now sort of like in the, in, camera um in different in a way different than like cbs and the edmund pettus bridge right like um, <laughs> right right and so they're now like i'm going to be the solution i feel called to being the solution but they what i argue in the book is that they do it in their own way they do it in their according to their purpose their purpose they want they want to respond to a particular calling they're not all really sure they're not all spiritual per se but they sort of tap in mm -hmm. do it according to their own leadership style so when I say the strategic leadership of Sonia Lukoma, I'm I'm focusing on the fact that she is strategic. She's strategic, period. That's how she leads. But in chapter two, Tia Moy Roberts, she leads from transformational leadership. She's a transformational leader. You know, we think of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and right. you know, transformational leaders. We don't often think of young black girls 
um, you know, when we just automatically say transformational leaders, but I compare her in the chapter, each of each of the chapters, I sort of have a comparison to black women that came before them. Some of them is one particular one and then others I just sort of go through. Like when I do servant leadership, I go through a few. Um, but for, for transformational leadership, I talk about Fannie Lou Townsend Hamer. Okay. Um, and obviously Keisha Blaine just came out with her book and I wish I had had that before while I was writing this one. Um, <laughs> Fannie Lou Townsend Hamer is a transformational leader, right? They're yeah. like the ones that are inspirational. They're the ones that are out there motivating the crowd and encouraging, encouraging and pushing, you know? Um, but they're doing it in this sort of vocal public way. Tia did that with March for Our Lives. And so I, I basically am arguing that each of the girls does fulfills their purpose through their own leadership style. Amazing. And that, and that, I mean, and that's, I think, I like what you said about, you know, it's like this generation says, it's like, we're, we're going to do it. Like we're going to create our own. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a sense of entrepreneurialism that, that exists um, that I would say, I mean, I would, you know, I, 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 I'm still trying to figure out, okay, so where does my daughter finish? She was born in 2006, mm-hmm. Clearly in, at, you know, and in, in immersed in all of this technology, right? Yeah. Um, she was only, what, two years old when Obama was elected, um, but clearly around for all the shootings <laughs> and trying to make sense of Trayvon, trying to make Mike Brown, um, all those things, right? And of course, the Trump election, right? Um, so I think there's a sense of, but she has a huge entrepreneurial drive. Just it just I'm just like, look, OK, that's that's going to cost this. So I need to go over here and do this. And I'm not going to wait for McDonald's. I'm not going to wait for these other places. I'm going to go and create this and stuff. Like even right now, she has her little business that she does. Pet City. Um, and uh, I mean, unfortunately, because she has COVID, she had to like put everything because this is when she cleans up. She cleaned up during Thanksgiving. I mean, she was like, oh, my gosh, like, girl, you got you pay me. Shoot. <laughs> I'm helping put me on the put me on the payroll. But I think that's what's uh, that's what gets me about this. What are some, what would you see then as some of the challenges of the day whether it be the big ones like climate change we were just talking about you know right before I hit record right it's like you know in Chicago it's like they're talking about oh you're supposed to get you know three inches of snow today it's like well bruh it's it's 44 degrees outside right now so we ain't getting nothing but rain right now. So my point is, is like, there's that, there's that challenge, there's economics, there's this and this and that. What are some of the, some of the things that you've seen as is, because I really, I'm looking at you like a generationalist of somebody who's engaging this and looking at leadership theory as, as well as, you know, in that. Right. Well, I can just talk about the ones that I were Absolutely. Was intentional, intentional about in the book. So <clears throat> Sonia is, uh, promotes, um, uh, diversity and literacy, you know, um, I consider her, sort of a, an activist when it comes to promoting diverse books, right? Um, and her sort of goes beyond just, oh, we need to be rep- represented in books, but uh, exposing young black and brown kids to books that, you know, um, I can't, I can't, I mean, I'm sure I did read some when I was younger, you know, but it wasn't like the sort of, she is like an active campaign, you know? But she also just wrote her own children's book just to say, you know, self-published her own children's book. Um, you know, it's just she just wants to make sure that young black kids can see themselves not just in book books, but in the publishing industry. Her goal eventually is to be is to start her own publishing company. Wow. I consider that a form. I, I, I do consider that there be a need for that. Um, Tia is obviously 
um, she was she was in March for Our Lives um, after they after they did their whole press conference and sort of made a fuss about, look, you know, we're here too. They asked her to be in March for Our Lives. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This grizzly. He does not Uh, he does not miss anything online virtual. He knows when I'm down here. So (laughs) and um so but her thing wasn't just like gun control. She said she decided to go out to to promote the fact that we're talking about it in mainly these like white environments and white spaces about our black neighborhoods, our black and brown neighborhoods. And what do we do about it? you know, making sure that there are resources in those, you know, neighborhoods, right? Um, So that was that. Um, Chapter three really goes, uh, that sort of activism and advocacy um, is the mental health piece, which is huge and will be even more huge as we continue through this pandemic, particularly for young, absolutely um, young kids, particularly for young black kids, that number, suicide number is going up. Um, Yeah. I have uh, the one uh, one girl. She she mainly there's it's a long story with her. She she had stage four non Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, and she's she but she was only seven, and then she oh. started her organization, the We Can Serve Foundation. After that, um, she's now cancer free, cured, um, sixteen years old. Um, sixteen, but um, but she you know goes into the hospitals. And make sure that, you know, that kids are advocated for um, not just, you know, medically, but sort of like that they have everything that they need. Do they have books? Do they have, you know, they miss holidays, you know, like so she goes during Easter and does Easter head hunts, you know, things like that. Um, Moving on, of course, there's sort of like, you know, advocacy for black lives, environmental advocacy, climate uh, activism. and arts activism, that's sort of the, the other one that I want to um, sort of like activism through arts is what we yes, see. Yes, yes, yes. We, we don't name it. We don't call it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In order, to, nor do we, I feel like we categorize it well enough. You know, there are some people that whose leadership isn't necessarily in the streets, just sort of lifting up their fists and, you know, or their leadership isn't necessarily marching to the state house or going to speak to governors and politicians. Some of them do it through their art. Um, and not just, you know, it's, it's visual art, you know, it's, it's film, it's, you know, th- those are all sort of very significant. I just watched, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call that activism, but, um, what was the movie on Netflix? Don't look up. Did you see that? I don't think so. I don't know. No, don't you look up. Okay. Let me know what you think. Okay. All right. All right. No, um, it's mostly white people, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's all, it's a parallel. It's sort of satire to what's happening now, but it's okay. really, I thought it was well done. Okay. Um, and it, it kind of convicted me a little bit, but, um, oh, yeah. so, okay. I, so basically what I tried to do with one boss was get like different forms of activism. It would have just been like sort of default for me to do like sort of black lives matter um, which we can do a whole book on teen absolutely yeah. in that. But I wanted to sort of paint a picture that the leadership and the areas that we need, we need leadership in and activism in ex- expands beyond that. But they also all overlap um, in, in, in many ways. Race plays a huge part in literally all of the areas that I talked about, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and black people are affected differently in all the areas that I talked about. 
That is no, that is that is the absolute truth. And I think that's what always gets me. It's like anytime I hear of any kind of disaster, it's you know, you think about the water in Flint, you think about rising seas, you think about, you know, just hurricanes and what communities mm-hmm. they hit. It's like black folk right on the forefront of that. It's like this is canary in the mind, right? It's just like, you know, we're the mm-hmm. ones who get it first. Um so going back to that, Amara, the climate activist that I uh-huh. when I was talking to her, she was like, We never really talked about the issue with the Trayvon Martin situation as an environmental uh as an environmental issue. Oh, she was like, because you have black kids can't go outside. Um, and so she was talking about how it sort of affected like her, her wanting to be outdoors um, because she said she was like addicted to the outdoors. She loves outdoors, yeah, you yeah. know, and um, particularly living in Maine. But her mom would always be like, no, you know, if there's sundown towns or, you know what I mean? Things like yeah. that. Their mom was like, don't go out. Don't pull your, you know, don't wear a hoodie. Don't do that, you know. And it's just like, she was like, wow, black, young black man, you know, just walking outdoors through, that is to her, she was like, it's an issue of environmental equity. White kids can just walk out and just do whatever and be outdoors. But she talks about that. She talks about, you know, just things like not having money for certain types of field trips or living in certain areas where there's not a lot of greenery. You know, hmm. so she like, how could like that's where she lived, you know, um, an environment where there wasn't a lot of green and the houses were very, you know, close to one another. And so she was like, I wanted to go out and be in the woods and I wanted to go out. And so she was like, there's just, you know, black kids are not having access to the outdoors um, in ways where they're able to develop their love for the outdoors and really explore what's out there, because there's all these sort of barriers that are in place not just the ones where they're living in environments where there's, you know, like a coal mine or whatever is nearby. And sort right. of like they, it's, it's, it's bad for the air, but also just in these small, small ways, um, all of these things add up is what she was telling me. I was like, wow, I learned a lot there. I was like, I never saw that as an environmental inequity. That is, wow. That, that is, a, that is, that's really good. I, I didn't think about it like that as well. I mean, not being able to go outside and, you know, in, in enjoying those spaces. I mean, and I think about those restrictions, right? I think about just having the access to the outdoors. Um, I just heard of a company, a friend of mine sent this. Um, here, let me pull it up on my, my text. He sent it to me and was just like, dude, have you heard of this? It's called Camp Yoshi. It's a whole organization by POCs to get POC folks, particularly black folk outside Mm -hmm. to give them safe experiences, to go hiking, to go Mm -hmm. rafting, to go fishing and to be, have guided tours and to be able to enjoy the outdoors without Mm -hmm. having to worry um, (laughs) about all the other things. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, um, because this is something that's, it's, I love the outdoors as well. I mean, but having grown up in a very rural Southern town, I can't tell you the amount of times that we'd be out looking at things and you'd run up on white folks and they'd be with guns and they'd be, you know, like, Hey, it's private property, boy. You know, it's like those type of things. Right. And especially now where it's, it's such a shoot first. I think Mm -hmm. about Ahmaud Arbery and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and and what happened with that. Right. It's just like that whole situation. It, it, the outdoors is still the outdoors, right? It's like, how can we experience this? How can we be around for that? How can we engage in that? That's environmental stuff. That's, that's yeah. deep. Yeah. 
she was like, that's an issue of environmental equity. And I was like, I, she was like, it overlaps, it intersects with racism, but it is an environmental issue because white kids have access to the outdoors in ways that, are, that we don't. And so they can explore and they can feel free to, you know, to, to enjoy the climate, you know, and all of that. And so her thing is when we talk about climate activism or environmental, you know, av- activism, though it, it's inevitable. Yeah. Like that yeah. we always focus on, you know, oh, climate change. And yes, and of course, that's important. But she was like, but race intersects with that so much. And we are, and there's a whole generation of young black kids that are, are missing out on their callings is what she would say, you know, that they might feel called to the outdoors and they want to explore that part of them that might have, you know, like some draw to it, but they can't because there's so many, oh, don't, oh, don't do this or make sure you do, you know, and all that. Wow. <laughs> that is, well, and it's one of the reasons too why, so for example, my daughter, uh, she's an equestrian. She's been riding horses, like, at, like jumping them things. I'm just like, God, girl, you, whoo, man, I tell you what, I, I'll go on a trail ride, but jumping like four and five feet, like I'm, I'm straight, right? But I think about the amount of black kids that I see out in the tournaments that we go to, because it is vastly white. And first of all, there's the economic challenge, right? Because horses are expensive. I was like, man, why'd you choose this sport? Like, we could have done soccer. We're in the Midwest. We could have done hockey. You could have done softball. But you choose the sport where a helmet is like $700. And I'm like. Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, it's it. Oh, Christy, I'm telling you, this is intense. Um. But I think about it because it's like when we show up to tournaments and I see somebody else is black, it's always the same thing. Like, hey, hey, hey. And it kind of comes back to it. It's just like, OK, what are the resources? What's the access? And then ultimately, what how how have you felt engaged with these places? Because some of the places they just straight out like, you know, they're giving you them looks like, oh, you know how it is, you know. And so, again, I think about those act outdoor activities that mm. black folks kind of thinking about. Because, like, man, black folks, we could dominate this sport, too, man. Right. right. But, again, who has the access? Who has it? Especially if you're in survival mode, who's thinking about, right, you know, you know, horses or hiking or, mm. you know, rock climbing, stuff like that. So, right. that's fascinating. Right. That is fascinating. Say, we can't even get to that because he can't even walk through his neighborhood that's deep. can't even run through your neighborhood that's deep and that message that that sends to others as we're watching particularly the young ones uh will, will prevent them from so it's an it's an environmental thing i was like yeah. wow it is yeah wow Wow, wow, wow well tell me about this then i mean we're entering 2022 um you know, you got the the James Webb telescope that just went up on a lot. In fact, last Friday, uh, mm-hmm. I've been waiting for that. I'm kind of an astronomy nerd and, mm-hmm. and, and been waiting for that, even though James Webb has a very interesting past. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah. But, uh, so, you know, we name it after all these races, you know, all these things of racist people. Like, man, you know, they didn't have no black people in mind. <laughs> Shit. Um, but, I, you know, I'm curious, like what how have you seen from the young people? What are they looking forward to? Uh, here in 2022, I mean, we obviously we still have a pandemic raging. It's the Omicron, right? Sounds like a, an Autobot from the Transformers, <laughs> right? But the Omicron is 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 yeah. raging. Um, 
and uh, we're coming up to midterm elections and, 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 and just even in that, right? I mean, I, how do you see some of those things in, in being engaged and whatnot? Are, are these cats thinking about, I've heard talks of like a third party, like, uh, you know, let's move into uh, our own party. I mean, what, what are some of the things you've been picking up on? Yeah. And even just, you know, being around young people, I'm still teaching, of course, in high school. I love um, it. I love it. And I just hear their conversations, you know, they're exhausted for starters. You know, I bet. Um, I bet. it can be really difficult for them now. I think they were bigger dreamers, like into the future. Um, the starter at the start of the pandemic, or even at the start of the year. Um, I think. I mean, I barely hear. I don't even hear them talking about midterm elections. Okay, it's hard to even get that far. But I think, had we not still been in this the way we are. They probably would be, but it's sort of like hard to think beyond like January. You know what I mean? Like hard to think beyond February. So I will say that I haven't heard as much like looking ahead into the future for um, for like Gen Zers. I don't hear it, but what I do hear their their creativity is sort of expanding. It has expanded so much, and so like your daughter with the entrepreneurial, you know. Um, gifting, they're all wanting to start stuff. They're all wanting to create. They, and the creating, it's like, it knows no time. Like online doesn't really know time. So I see more of an explosion of sort of this creative bug when it comes to um, online, whether they're creating avenues for them. They're, they definitely are creating more avenues for themselves financially. Um, I don't, you know, I don't hear a lot of like, oh, I want to work for this company when I grow up. They're all wanting to create their own thing, you know, do yeah. their own thing, go in their own direction or whatever. Yeah. I think they will jump into the midterm. I think once, um, the further we get along, once we get out of or whatever, if they can see clearly from Omicron, yeah. I think we'll hear a little bit more about that. Um, but I don't hear as much. I just see them wanting to create their own things, make their own way. And sort of like uh, create sort of like names for themselves. So it's that plus the like need to, um, I don't want to say self care, but the need to sort of care care for themselves and take a step back from things that don't serve them or serve their purpose. I'm hearing a lot more of that too. Okay, which is why they're quitting jobs and stuff like that. I wouldn't necessarily encourage that, but they're I, I hear a lot more. I lie you not, a lot more is like, bye, I'm out. Particularly millennials. Like, I was going to ask, yeah, yeah, I quit. I mean, I don't know if they have a plan in place, <laughs> um, but you know, a lot of them are stuff. My sister was just saying, like, you know, they're my sister has got a new job, but she's talking about her friends that are like, I quit, I'm out. You know, I'm gonna start my own thing. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that they see that they can um, and that they can be successful doing it. And so that's, that's the direction that they're going in. <laughs> oh Lord. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry my, my, this, this is hilarious. Cause this is, this is exactly what would ha be happening in classes. My cats are in the background and that one right there. She's, she's the boss of everything. So she's like going over there. Thank and you. causing trouble and I could hear her sniffing and sniffing playing. it right 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 yeah no this is this is this was an ongoing thing for for me anytime I turn the video on it's like they just know um 
to come in here. Um, I'm always finding stuff, uh, you know, plugged. I have another mixer over there. And it's just like, I'm like, why can't I get sound? Oh, that's guy because the cats have been on my damn board. Um, well, I like that. And, and I was just, I was going to ask about the job because I was reading about that. I think in the Atlantic the other day, it's like, you know, the great, uh, I forget what they're calling it, but it's the great, you know, basically people just quitting. Like, I'm done. Like, I ain't going to be working for you no more. I ain't going to work for this company. Uh, and right, I don't know about the plan. Like, what's the, what's the plan to follow up? But a lot of people are, almost every fast food joint here in Chicago's got signs up in, like, like even the the Wendy's up the street says, you know, we'll give you $500 signing bonus. Like, wow. what? What? Wendy's is giving yeah. signing bonuses now? <laughs> I mean, if they can't work from um, for them, if they can't work from home, right, and they don't have flex, like my sister's new job is with Lavity. Okay, they're based out of LA. Okay, she's out here in Jersey. It's all remote. You See? know what I mean? See, that's it. And I think that was that was interesting because the very first class I started online. A young brother told me, he said, now y'all are on our turf. Like this is our this is this is our turf. It's like we've been we've been saying about this and how this stuff comes together. And I get everybody has their own thing, right? Because everybody's like, well, a lot of people, not everybody. A lot of people are like, oh, I want to get back in the classroom. But there was a good strong amount of students who was still like, nah, this is great. Like I can get my education. I can still go to work. I'm a I'm a parent. I can I still watch my kids. I can do what I gotta do. Um and it's almost like the pandemic has shown us that we no, we can do this online thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's yeah. been some of us older folks who've been resistant to right. uh to any of these technologies. Uh whereas the young folks be like, no, 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 we've been doing this. Right. We've been and doing now it. they're now they really can't be stopped because they're like, Oh, right. we were doing this but now we know we really can and that I don't actually need to show up or I don't need to do X, Y, and Z and I can quit because I can find ways of making income if I have the right amount of followers or if I have, you know, like, <laughs> right. it's true because the ads companies will pay them, you know, um, if they have a certain amount of followers and they're of influence, you know. Well, let me ask you that now that kind of looking looking at that. So one of the things that comes up, so I have a couple of different courses on media and, and social media and whatnot. How does the issue of privacy and data sharing, especially after all the knowledge that we know now after the 2016 election, and all the stuff that, you know, Cambridge Analytica was doing, you know, Facebook selling data, you know, they still doing that mess. Talking about I ain't doing it all. Let's change our name to Meta. I'm like, what? Yeah. Them commercials don't make no sense. <laughs> How are students that you're seeing, how are some of these, these these women that you're talking about in your book, how are they dealing with some of that? How are you dealing with some of that, you know, those aspects? Now we have yeah. a little bit more things in place, like don't sell my data, don't share right. stuff. Well, I don't trust that. Right. You know, <laughs> right. I know I can click on it and they won't, but I don't know if it's really happening. You know, I don't think the kids think about it like we do. Um, that is sad. <laughs> to me, I just don't, they, they don't, unless it's like forced in, 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 in front of them. So again, like, I'm not going to tell you what, don't go watch, don't look up. Okay. It's very, there's, you know, unless they're like a movie is right in their face and it just sort of like shows them who they are. They'll think about it for a second and yeah. then sort of move on because their lives are literally lived up there. Whereas some of us that are older millennials, Gen X or whatever, like we're, still at the we still understand the the cusp of it we still understand sort of one foot in one we've there we we have had lives where we did not live them solely online 
So we're conscious of that time. We're conscious of that, the fact that it's, you know, possible and we still sort of live straddling that. So we're a little bit more like sensitive to, you know, the whole idea of like, oh, I don't know. Okay, maybe I should share this or don't, whatever. We aren't. Whereas your daughter, not your daughter, but when you talk about, you know, what year she was born, she grew up in the time where everyone was living online. That is life. So there is, it's, it's hard to even consider, you can't really consider anything like beyond that. You know what I mean? So to, uh, I don't know what it will take for us to communicate that like effectively, you know, um, where it sticks. I, I see like moments with, with students where they, they do know, you know, like I watch, um, you know, I teach religion and film, of course. We've yes. Talked about Yes, I love it. I was going to ask how that was going. I'm great. I love religion and film. I love the kids. And, yes. uh, and Truman Show um, is the, the second film that we watch. And I'm teaching on religion and free will when we talk about Truman Show. Ooh. And it's great. Uh, I just love that conversation that comes from Truman Show. You yes. Know? Um, and then there's some YouTube videos that talk about, you know, that break it down and all that or whatever. But when we're talking about our, our lives on, you know, on TV, are we being watched with, how do you feel about that? Or how much free will do you actually have? Right. Like right. it was your choice to, you know, buy that box, buy that, you know, box of Oreos. But in all actuality, there have been thousands of messages throughout the day that have been sort of subconsciously planted in your brain about, and with advertisements about Oreos where you thought that you went to the supermarket and you just craved Oreos, that wasn't really your free will. There've been messages that have been planted, you know? So we talk about that yeah, and yeah. It's like, Oh, is college like me going to college? Is that my free will? Or have I been conditioned today? You know, they, they start talking about that. It's only in those spaces right. that able to have those types of conversations where it brings things to light. But if you're not having that constantly with students, with kids, they don't care. <laughs> I Yes, absolutely. And I would agree. I mean, I, and just even in some of the, the conversations I've been having with some of the, the students who come through my, uh, I have a teacher kind of social media friends and family. And mm-hmm. it's always amazing to me, right? Because it's like, I've, I've right, you read and you think, oh, this is, they, they've been immersed in all this technology, but it's like, getting folks to think about right even some of the privacy or the the what is it the terms of agreement that we sign mm-hmm. and stuff it's like you know i mean most of us don't read them anyway mm-hmm. but they're it, it's interesting because when you put it in front of them it's just like oh i mm-hmm. didn't think about that even i have a simple assignment like look you need to go and tell me you need to keep a log your phone can do it but it, you know to keep a log how many times you get on the internet how long you stay on the internet how long you stay what app you're looking at always they come back and and students and i literally mean that always the students are like i thought i was just being like an hour or two a day and people are like man this is seven hours eight hours mm-hmm. i well, was on screen time now right right you know and you know like i was on tiktok i was just mindlessly scrolling and it always like boggles their mind like i cannot believe that i was online this much doing nothing <laughs> um yeah, sure. so I, 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 that's that's good that's a good point though i i, I like you said he's you know putting it in front of them um and how is the house how's teaching going in this kind of funky era that we find ourselves in um and do you get a chance to use your own book and and, and all that good stuff or how's that no i wow. keep my book stuff separate from i got my you time. okay all right, all right all right i'm always very like 
Mm, I'll just keep it separate. Um, every once in a blue moon, I mean, the girls, know, I mean, they know about it, um, but I, I usually try to keep it separate. So the the school, we actually were only virtual that first part of spring um, 2020 went on lockdown. We actually went back in person that August of 2020. Okay, okay. Morning school. Um, we were like a military fort, you know, like, uh, kids coming in, quarantining two and three weeks. I mean, we had like trace bracelets on. Wow. Um, even in the dorms, the kids had to have on masks unless they were in their room. Um, you know, we had an app called Trace, you know, because if a kid, if we, if somebody got COVID or whatever, you, the app showed you where you were and who was around you. Okay. So once you test positive, they're sending it all these kids home. They'll send the whole floor home. Wow. So that was sort of how it was. Okay. Um, I still got to teach in person. Of course, we're all masked. And I had this big room where the kids were super far, you know. <laughs> right. Um, and so they, the kids were really struggled in the beginning. Okay. But I was sort of like, well, we can be virtual if you want. But a lot of you kids wanted to come back. Now, some we were hybrid because we have international students and some kids that just gotcha. didn't come back. Gotcha, gotcha, So we had this like thing that in the class technology where it's, they could see the whole class, yeah. you know. yeah. Um, so I thought that was, that was interesting. It was just an interesting time, you know, um, to, to teach, but I still was sort of grateful to still be teaching in person weirdly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I did, but I did, we did, then we broke for winter. We broke for Thanksgiving and we didn't come back till March. Oh, okay. All right. August through Thanksgiving. And then we avoided flu season altogether, which was the whole point. And then came back for the spring. Um, you know, any all school meetings we had were outdoors. They did a really good job. I'll give them that. Okay. Um, but kids were, you know, if kids were testing positive, they were out, you know. Um, and then we were closing, we we're boarding, so they closed the, they couldn't go home on the weekends or anything. Normally they could go home on the weekends. They closed the school down. So they kept okay. it really tight. This year, similar but not really. Um so but it's been good. And the kids, you know, you, you try. It's just, it's so hard to, you know, while you need to be encouraged then you're encouraging them, you know? Um, and then you want to provide a, some semblance of normalcy for them. And even though none of this is normal. Um, and, uh, I think the class has actually helped with that, you know, just teaching. I teach a class called religious radicals now too. Ooh. Which is a, which is a, I took it from Professor Rabito who just passed away. Um, he taught a class, Al Rabito in Princeton called Religious Radicals that I love. Okay. So I mirrored his, um, his course. Yeah. And we just teach about different contemporary radicals is later. And then we teach about one in the past. And um, so anyway, it's great. So I taught both, but it just keeps their mind off of, you know, everything that's, that's going on. But now we're about to go back. We, everything was a little bit lighter in the beginning of this year. Yeah. Now we're going back and, um, we have a whole new plan for January when they, when they come back. Okay. They had vax, they had um, vaccine clinics on campus. So we're 98% vaxxed as a school faculty and students we're about, we're going to have a booster clinic on campus when we get back. Um, and, but they still have to test before they come. They have to test negative before they come back for 48 hours. Then they test when they get to school. Yeah. So it's going to be a whole thing. Um, so for me, we're, we've been in community. I haven't been as isolated as okay. a lot of people have been. Okay. We feel like I've been blessed in that regard because I live in, com in a community. 
Um, but it is very Groundhog Day-ish. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Right. Oh, my gosh. That is the truth. That is the truth. Yeah. Whew. Well, listen, I want to be conscious of our time. I This has been amazing. I love this quote that you give in the, con- the conclusion. Um, if they don't give you a, ch- a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. Um, yes, yes. And you talk about in some ways, you know, that what young black women have been featured you know featuring this book and doing bringing their own folding chairs and i think that's definitely something that i could take away from all this um Mm -hmm. where do you see some of these folding chairs opening up um and i mean we've talked about some of these things but where do you see some of these folding chairs opening up and what are some of the hopes of the folding chairs opening up you know as a result of this book oh i you know if you would ask me that (laughs) pre-pandemic you know it's like so hard to say yeah yeah you know even hope like even being excited you know right right. that's that's just the human part of me it's like oh well we'll see you know like that definitely wasn't how i felt preparable it was a we'll see but it was like oh wow there is an open there's a plethora of of you know avenues this can go and it did go those avenues but you like sort of see this wide open blank blank slate whereas with like this now it's like it comes out march 8th and we're thinking about a launch and it's like maybe i'll do like a small dinner party and airbnb and invite like 10 people <laughs> we like we'll be okay to do that maybe you know i can't believe you decide that until february you know normally i'd have a whole plan right now in place for march 8th and now i'm like well let me just wait till at least the end of january before i start thinking about what i'm going to do one month out from march 8th so that's like the, that's 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 been in the back of my head i but i but my hope outside of those like sort of more tangible, like whether it's events or programs or things that might happen as a result of the book. But I I hope what I hope for Parable that people will um, learn from the leadership of black girls will say, oh, you know, I I say in it, like these are the the girls that we'll be studying about. What if one of them becomes Kamala Harris one day? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And we're we're gonna scramble back and go back and say, oh my gosh, you know? (laughs) Right. My 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 thing is like let's study them now. I mean, what would a chapter on Kamala Harris would have looked like when she was 18 years old and unbossed? What did her leadership like? I'm just using her as an example because she's vice president, right? But like, what did her leadership look like then? What did Michelle Obama's leadership look like then? What did Stacey Abrams' leadership look like then? What if they? I'm saying all three of them now as adults are what could potentially be you know, these, these young girls in this book now. Yeah. Right. And so I, I think in the beginning, like in, in the um, intro, I write about Amanda Gorman, how she stepped to the podium and she's like, got all this poise, blah, blah, blah. And how every, all the, you know, news commentators were like, Oh, she's amazing. Where did she come from? And I'm like, she didn't just come from nowhere. I remember it was Andrew Young and a PBS documentary. It just comes to me. He talks about Martin Luther King and he was like, he didn't just spring full out of the head of Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I love right. that. It was like, no, like he, you know, matriculated, you know, he evolved, came from some place. And that's what I'm saying about Amanda Gorman. She didn't just come out of nowhere. She'd been this way, you know, she has grown into this, but she developed into who she is. Right. And she's 22 or was 22 at the time. She might be 23 now. Um, but what I'm saying about these girls is like, 
you know, who knows who they'll become. Right. And they all want to be like at the end of each chapter, you know, like a good number of them are like, I want to be a senator. I want to be a state senator. I want to be this. I want to be that, you know, like, yeah, who knows who they'll be. And I, what I don't want is for us, and whether it's my book or anybody else's, I don't want for us to overlook them and ignore them. And then they step to the podium like Amanda Gorman and they become popular. And then everybody is like, ooh, right. where did they come from? And I'm like, no, no, no. Study them now. Hey. Learn about who they are now. <laughs> that is, that's deep. I love that because that that is the truth, right? And that's kind of almost like. The, 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 in in general, it's like, oh, y'all folks wasn't down before, but now they got a little popularity. And now, you know, so I forget who was, what rapper used to say is like, I'm still, I got the same gut, same, mm-hmm. you know, same goatee, but now I got a little money. Now everybody want to come up to me in the club or whatever. Yes. And that is the exact same thing. And I hate that narrative when folks um, do that in the media, right? Is when they say, oh, where are these folks? Where have they been? And I'm like, bruh, bruh. You attention. Right. You know, they've been doing the work. You know, so I'm so if nothing else, the difference between this and Parable, Parable was anonymous girls. So it all sort of came back to me, mm-hmm. regardless yeah. of if I'm telling their story, you know, yeah. nobody really knew who they were. Um, the good news about this for me is regardless of what happens with me in the book, whether I don't have a launch, part, you know, a launch event, whether the pandemic is still whatever, these girls names and faces are out there, you know, go to them. I told the girls, even though they don't want to do it, maybe only one, um, you know, I'm like, you can have your own lunch, do your own thing for this. Like pretend like you wrote it, you know, or go around and talk about your chapter. Right. You know, push your thing because this now is your opportunity to sort of shine. And I'm wanting them to do that. They're not all. Uh, I know. I get that. I get that. I get that. Folks, the, bo- the book is uh, Unbossed, How Black Girls Are Leading the Way by Christy Lauren Adams. I've had Christy on before. She's amazing. Go buy this book and get it. Well, uh, Christy, thank you so much for coming on and taking time out and appreciate it. Um, in this kind of lull, I always call it the, the uh, what I'm forgetting my own phrase, like the time between Christmas and New Year's is kind of like this. What day are we? What day is it? What's going on? Especially for educators, right? Yeah. Um, where can folks find you though? Where can they come and, and hook you up? Maybe they want to bring you out to uh, Oxford out there and in, in, uh, across the <laughs> pond and maybe to Brisbane, Australia. And, you know, they love black folk in, in Japan, man. It's like, shoot, they love black popular culture. Bring you out there, pay you a couple hundred grand to do a keynote. <laughs> Oh, that would be so great. Well, please, I'll give you my email for that. So, <laughs> find me, uh, com is my website but honestly you can just google my name christy adams christy lauren adams and then all these things will show up uh whether it's my website or um on instagram i am at christy adams and then on twitter i'm at christy lauren but all these books are available on amazon barnes and noble um and they should be available in your local bookstore when they do come out um march 8th and International Women's Day is March 8th, too, by the way. I love it. I love it. I love it, folks. And as always, I will put these in the show notes, whitehotpodcast.com. So if you're listening anywhere, go check out the show notes and support. This is, this is I get the question all the time. Like, how can I, why can I do? I was like, go and support, buy these books, use them. If you're an educator, use these books in your classroom because uh, they're powerful uh, and they're amazing reasons. And like Christy, you just said, it's like, don't be coming up afterwards talking about, I, I don't know where they are. Uh, where they come from study them now thank you so much christy thank you